What's up, Hoop Ball Nation? It's Brandon Marcus from the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast. We're chatting about an exciting time in Clipperland with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George looking to lead the team to an NBA title. Tune in to hear guests ranging from TV voice Brian Seaman and radio voice Noah Eagle to various beat writers and team bloggers. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Hoop Ball Clips and follow me at BD Marcus. Looking forward to having you tune in. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. It's Tuesday, or so I'm told. I don't know. I don't know. We're nine days away from baseball. We are 16 days away from the NBA's return, provided all things go according to plan over those next nine or 16 days. And we are in true countdown mode. And we know we're in true countdown mode because there's NBA stuff on our timelines, such as the world we live in now. You look at your Twitter timeline. It's not all pictures of tragedy, still mostly that, but there's actual sports stuff blended in. It's an odd reprieve from the things that are wearing us down on a day-to-day basis. I am Dan Baspris. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Spending part of your Tuesday with us. There'll be a couple of shorter shows here over the rest of this week while we get our resumption league mock drafts running. We should have one of those going by later this week. So we're mostly going to focus on news over the next couple of days. And I thought it might not be a terrible idea right now to just mention to everybody that's been an avid listener of this podcast for so long that there will be stretches here, perhaps during the NBA playoffs or, you know, other, whatever it turns out to be, where we're just going to talk about regular NBA stuff. You know, we're just going to talk about regular NBA stuff from time to time, because there will be stretches where there's just not fantasy things happening. Just That's just how it goes. You know, like, we'll get through this two-week sprint, this, this uh, whatever you want to call it, this, the seeding games, July 30th through August 14th or whatever it is, and then we're going to get into the playoffs, and there's just, there's not really going to be fantasy to talk about. For, I would say, September and half of October. So it'll be about 45 days where we're mostly just talking about the NBA. It'll be a weird, brave new world. Shout out, Algis Huxley. Where we'll just talk about what we saw on TV. It'll be like a regular old NBA sports show. And then obviously if any fantasy news shakes out, we'll we'll break that down. We have a couple of those tidbits today for the podcast. But just as a look ahead, be prepared. This is something we're going to transition to. And then once free agency hits, we'll loop back around to talking about fantasy again. That of course is in mid to late October. So all that done, welcome to the show, everybody. Uh, Quick shout out again to the recruiting effort going on. Those of you that have written in, you guys have been really the best of the best of the best. Listen, like there are times where we get 40, 50, 60 recruiting emails or tweets about one spot and a lot of folks are like, oh yeah, no, never mind. That sounds like too much work. But 
during this time of year, for whatever reason, there have been fewer replies, largely because, well, you know, it's kind of this weird NBA fantasy offseason-ish. But those of you that have written in, you guys have really been uh, cream of the crop. And so it's made this a lot easier. But we do still need a couple of folks over here. We are looking for one additional gambling voice if you want to be part of our hoopball gaming division that of course is the twitter handle at hoopball gaming uh, or be a part of the gambling podcast today in sports betting shoot me a line on twitter at dan bespris d-a-n-b-e-s-b-r-i-s it's bravo echo sierra bravo romeo india sierra on the last name dan bespris or email team hoopball at hoop-ball.com we are also recruiting for traditional nba coverage uh, we are recruiting for fantasy NBA coverage. We do have a couple of blurb shifts available, and our sales team, you know, we can expand that indefinitely. But the biggest priority right now, if you're into betting, shoot me a line. And we'll talk about that later this week, actually. Tomorrow's show, probably, maybe Thursday's show, I haven't made up my mind on it, we'll be talking about some of the futures wagers we can get down on here during this receding Reseeding? No, it's just a seeding stretch. That'll be something we talk about later this week. Uh, today, we're going to talk about a couple pieces of news and then get you off the horn quickly. This will be what we call our abridged Tuesday edition of Fantasy NBA Today. Two biggest pieces of news that came out yesterday, were one of them less large than the other, at least from a fantasy perspective, but both of them with some implications and I know it's weird to call this the smaller of the two pieces of news, but because we're analyzing things from a fantasy standpoint, Russell Westbrook has COVID. It was revealed that he tested positive. He is largely asymptomatic. I think he had mild symptoms, and he's almost better. That's sort of the reports that are banging around right now. Uh, expected to join the Rockets shortly. We also heard, quote, that James Harden is expected to join the Rockets shortly, although there was no official word on what's going on with Harden. There were a couple of less reputable Twitter handles that reported he also has COVID. Now, here's the thing. By deductive reasoning, you can pretty much assume he has it or had it recently. It's up to the individual player to disclose whether or not they have a positive test. Technically, it is a medical issue, and so there are HIPAA violations, meaning unless they tell people, unless that's how the word gets out, it can't get out. So it's possible that, you know, James Harden, or, in, you know, in this hypothetical here, it's possible that James Harden told the Rockets, hey, I have to come late because of blah, 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 but this is medically privileged information. And so they said, okay, well, you know, people are going to notice you're not there. And we're going to say that you're coming soon. And it's up to you what you want to do from that point. So he probably has it, but we don't have any confirmation on that yet. But uh, apparently James Harden and Russell Westbrook will be joining the Rockets soon. That's the indicator that we have right now. That's the indicator we've got right now. What does that mean for us? Well, Harden was our number one guy on the resumption draft board. Ahead of Anthony Davis, ahead of Nikola Jokic. I don't think it moves him off of that pedestal for a couple key reasons. Number one, the Rockets need to win some of these seeding games. They do not want to fall farther in the NBA standings board because, frankly, they're not that far away from falling into the unenviable 
have to deal with an L.A. team in the first round contingent. Rockets are only a game and a half up on the Mavericks to fall into that seven seed. They're tied with the Thunder. So there's a lot going on right there. And I believe that Harden, if healthy, if the conditioning is fine, listen, even if his conditioning isn't fine, I still think he's playing. It might just be, you know, 28 minutes instead of 35, which is what he's generally playing, right? James Harden played 36 and a half minutes a game this year. It'll be a couple minutes down if he's ramping up. But if he's there and there's nothing wrong with his body and he can get himself into running shape, he'll play. Because he is insanely durable. He doesn't jump very much. He initiates contact. So it looks like he's getting whacked all around. He's actually delivering a lot of the the socks that you see on the court. That's why he doesn't miss that many games. He's not a high fly act. He's not soaring in and dunking. Russell Westbrook, on the other hand, is an interesting little case study here because we actually kind of liked him for this resumption if he was healthy. We had him at 25, actually, on our nine-category draft board because he had been very efficient, and I saw him playing seven out of the eight games. But if he's not healthy, if he's coming in still, you know, lingering symptoms, not contagious, but not able to breathe the way he normally would, sort of pre-COVID air. Do we really think he's going to play 36 minutes and get that same usage? A lot of what he does is contingent on the fact that he needs to take a crap ton of shots and make his free throws. You probably need to be able to breathe right to do all that stuff. So it's possible we need to move Russell Westbrook down our board a little bit. Again, he's at 25 right now, right in front of the likes of Drew Holiday, Donovan Mitchell, Chris Middleton, Jonas Valanciunas, Kemba Walker. I think I'm going to leave him where he's at for the moment. But this is what we talked about on yesterday's show. These little pieces of information that trickle in. I didn't even call them that little. These pieces of information are, are relatively significant. As they trickle in, we're going to be sort of waiting for confirmation on things and watching timelines. Because Westbrook, we might get word later today that he's tested negative and then maybe tests negative again tomorrow, and he joins the team by, well, he joins Orlando, say, by, I mean, as early as Thursday, quarantines for two days, gets to practice starting Saturday. That's a potential best-case scenario. That would still give him almost two weeks to get ready for the resumption. So I don't think I'd move him very much in that case, especially if word is that he's feeling fine, and they'll probably say that regardless, but... You know, we'll have to read between the lines a little bit. Now, on the other hand, if Westbrook has lingering symptoms for a few days, doesn't get his first negative test until Thursday or Friday, travels to Orlando on Saturday or Sunday, and isn't practicing until a week from today, that would only give him eight days, basically, to get his conditioning up. To Russell Westbrook-level conditioning. That feels difficult, And if that's the case, then I think you have no choice but to move him down a few slots because his minutes will be down. He almost definitely won't play in all eight games. So then you're probably looking at moving him down two or three spaces at least. Harden, I mean, it's going to take a lot for me to move him down my board because my number two guy is Anthony Davis, and he's not going to play all eight games. Nikola Jokic was my number three with the assumption he would play all eight games, but he's not there yet either. And all of a sudden here, you know, there's a a weird universe where Damian Lillard is going number one in some leagues. But, I mean, Harden's going to basically have to be not there, like as close as five days before the season starts for me to move him down much. To me, 
James is so far head and shoulders above everybody else for this resumption period that there should be no thought in your mind. And he was number one in the regular season by totals because he played six more games than Anthony Davis. And that's the thing here. My expectation is that Harden, if he's okay, is going to try to play in all eight, and seven would probably be the absolute fewest games he's playing in if healthy. And as a guy who is in that top two or three contingent on per-game numbers, generally top two, playing in seven of those eight games or more makes him the runaway clear choice for a number one pick. Jokic, even if he plays in all eight games, doesn't jump James Harden playing seven. It would have to probably be two games more than either AD or Harden to get over those guys. Same story for Damian Lillard. You know, Dame was number four in the regular season, right behind Jokic, though he did play seven fewer games than Jokic. He would have to probably play, I would think, at least two more games than Harden or AD to jump past those guys. I mean, there's just there's this massive gap there between the top couple and everybody else. So we'll keep an eye on the James Harden-Russell Westbrook situation. Right now, as I mentioned, I'm not moving them on my draft board, but there is a chance that Westbrook, not really Harden, it would have to be significant here. Harden would, uh, would, again, basically not have to show up for me to move him around. Westbrook, it could happen a lot quicker. The other piece of news, which I, I think caught all of us by surprise, is that Victor Oladipo apparently has been traveling and practicing and now is considering playing. Why did this surprise all of us? Well, I don't think any of us knew that you could do that. We were all led to believe, or I was at least, that when a player opted out, they were just not going to come. If you opted out for whatever reason, you said, I'm not going to play in this resumption league, and I thought there was a deadline like two weeks ago where these players had to say whether or not they were coming. Well, I guess nothing with Victor was official. I honestly don't know. I can't go back and figure out when we got the news. I don't know how far back it was. I've been scrolling through tweets for hours, and I can't figure out when it happened. But whatever it was, two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, less than that, I, it, you know, the days all run together right now. When we heard that Victor Ladipo was opting out, maybe it was a likely opting out. You know, maybe there was some wiggle room there that we didn't know existed, and we all saw it and thought, all right, well, he's done. And now all of a sudden... You know, it was always about uh, his body for Oladipo. The question was, would his body respond okay? Because he was on a pretty strict ramp up when the league shut down. He was just starting to look like himself again, slowly massaging his minutes up back to where he would want them to be over a normal NBA campaign. And then the NBA had to shut down on March 11th. Can you believe it? We're over four months from that. Good gravy. And then all of a sudden yesterday, there's growing suspicion there is growing belief that Victor Oladipo will play because apparently he's been practicing and apparently his leg feels great so this changes a lot of stuff for us because we had a certain expectation on the Indiana side that was built on the idea that Victor Oladipo Jeremy Lamb and maybe even Malcolm Brogdon would all be out we still don't fully know what the deal is with Brogdon. We know he was dealing with COVID, so uh, I don't believe he's there yet. But all of a sudden now, 
we're looking at an Indiana team that might end up actually having two of those three guys. Nothing is official with Oladipo yet, but, you know, when Shams puts out a tweet that there's growing belief he's going to come, thought is that it's just a matter of time before he says, I'm coming. First thing that this impacts is, to me, uh, Justin Holiday, who we had relatively high on our board with the expectation that he would be sucking up a lot of those shooting guard minutes. Well, we got to move him way down the list. Not all the way to the bottom. He's definitely better than a lot of those dudes down near the the bottom 20, but certainly much more in that Kentavious Caldwell Pope, uh, P.J. Tucker, Daniel House contingent. Maybe uh, a hair better than those guys because he he showed the ability to post some defensive stats and a little bit of upside in the regular season. But his minutes will trend way the heck down if Oladipo and Brogdon are both there. He was, to his credit, useful towards the end of the regular season when the team was largely healthy. I know Brogdon missed a couple of games in there, but uh, Justin Holiday was posting top 90 value in only 22 minutes a game on 1.8 steals, 0.7 blocks, 2.2 pointers and 47% shooting. I don't know that that can actually keep up. But again, it does elevate him above some of these other weirdos, right? Like he belongs above, say, Jeremy Grant, that crew. Those guys, they're just, they're not going to see the minutes on a consistent basis. Problem with a guy like Justin Holiday is, he doesn't really fit the mold of someone you want to chew up games played on a games cap format in this resumption because there just there isn't going to be a big one in there aside from presumably a game where Oladipo sits. So there'll be a couple of games blended in that way. So then you look at a guy like uh, JJ Redick. Would you go Justin Holiday over Redick? I probably would. I think I'd rather have Holiday over Redick, House, Tucker, Gary Harris, and that assortment I think he's got a little bit more to his fantasy game where those guys they need well with hand with house and Tucker the only way they move into value is if Westbrook and Harden have to miss any games Redick same kind of thing with someone's got to sit out Josh Hart he could he could push it a little bit and so I'm probably slotting uh Holiday in right above Josh Hart so that's his new location on our map Next name on the list that's going to get impacted is we had TJ Warren really high with the expectation he'd be kind of a last man standing here. He's got to get knocked down a few pegs. Uh, Warren was taking a boatload of shots and making most of them, but a lot of that was coming with guys out. And for the most part, he's a points, rebounds, sort of steals, but very good percentages guy. And so volume was going to be critical. His volume, as his volume goes up, his value shoots through the roof. There is very few examples of guys in the NBA where more usage directly equates to value the ways that his does. Uh, You know, usage is value in a lot of instances, but when your percentages are as good as Warren's, every time you take one extra shot, your value, it's like a, a, a triple blast to his value, right? Think of it from that perspective. You know, uh, point of comparison, Victor Oladipo. If he has more usage, his points, assists, and threes probably go up. If T.J. Warren gets more usage, his points, threes, assists, field goal percent, free throw percent all become more valuable to his fantasy value. So all of those things, 
right? Those are the points, threes, assists, and the two percentages are your typical offensive stats in a fantasy nine-category league. Turnovers, you could also say, would probably go up a little bit, which is not good if somebody has more usage. So there's sort of five positives and one small negative to someone having more usage. Potential. Five potential positives. If you are someone with good percentages, you get all five positives. Now, for TJ Warren, as his usage goes up, his assists don't exactly trend up quite as fast as, say, if a point guard got more usage. So, yes, there's a little bit of a dial back there. But everything, all five of those things, do trend up if he has the ball in his hands more. Whereas, for a lot of players... Typically, the percentages, one or even both of those, don't trend up if they have the ball in their hand. Miles Turner, his percentages weren't very good this year. 45 and 75, if he had the ball in his hand more, percentages would actually be a bigger negative. Yes, the positives, more scoring, more threes, more assists, more engagement would outweigh them, but he gets three positives out of more usage where a guy like Warren gets five. So hopefully that that description made sense, which is why if Oladipo is indeed going to be playing and all those shots are going back to Victor, 13, 14, whatever shots a game, you know, once he started to look good here at the very, very end, let's say 13-ish, 13, 14 shots, those, uh, some of those are going to come away from TJ Warren. Now, I still think he's going to be decent. I still think he's going to be good, and I think he's going to try to play in all eight of the games, even though, you know, there's not a huge reason for Indiana to need to play in all eight of them. So maybe you say seven for him. But you're looking at more, you know, top 70 during the regular season. You pull out eight teams worth, which is, again, pretty close to 30%, a little bit less than a third. And he becomes more like a top 50 guy, as opposed to if Oladipo and Brogdon were both out, I thought he was looking more at a top 35 type valuation. So now we start to scroll down our list to find where he belongs. Look at a guy like a Will Barton. I think TJ Warren floats in, in front of him because I still think that there's uh, a little bit more consistency there. Jalen Brown above, Fournier above, Jared Allen, DeJounte Murray, Norman Powell, Gordon Hayward. I think we're now getting into the realm of, where Warren belongs. And so I'll, you know, we get to a name like Murray. Would you rather have DeJounte Murray or TJ Warren? I think I'd go Murray, given the way the Spurs are set up here to get eliminated pretty quickly. Would you rather have Norman Powell? Yeah, I think I'd rather have Norman Powell. But not by a ton. Those are both, that's actually another guy who has good percentages, so the usage helps. Jared Allen or TJ Warren? I'm going to go Jared Allen. Aaron Gordon? I think that might be the cutoff right there. Because Gordon did play well, but his percentages could kill you. And so you're looking at TJ Warren right in that neighborhood. And he gets bumped down to me about uh, a round and a half of value with Oladipo coming back. Malcolm Brogdon gets bumped way down the board. Way down the board. We had him at the, right around the edge of the top 50 with no Oladipo because of, frankly, how well he played at the beginning of this season when Victor was out. Victor came back. Brogdon turns into a pumpkin. Straight up pumpkin. Am I going to draft him down near the top 160 where he was playing after Oladipo came back? No. I mean, obviously, he's going to go earlier than that because there are guys like uh, Danny Green, George Hill, uh, Mo Bamba that are down near the bottom of the list. Brogdon 
certainly still belongs above those guys. And here's the thing. He'll get drafted by somebody else in your league before he hits where we're willing to take him. But Brogdon, to me, now belongs as someone you draft more in that uh, Al Horford, Jay Crowder, DeMar DeRozan, Bogdan Bogdanovich grouping because he's going to play, so there's an opportunity for some upside. But we saw that he just wasn't the same guy, and his percentages weren't as good this year, and he's learning how to be less of a first fiddle with that Indiana team. And that's a hit. That's a value knock. Trying to figure out exactly where we'd slot him in here is challenge to end all challenges. I think I'm going to put him right in front of Yusuf Nurkic. So he falls three full rounds of value with Oladipo coming back. I mean, this is this is why this Victor news is such a huge deal. Damanis Sabonis, not impacted. Thank goodness. One guy on the team was not impacted by the news of Victor Oladipo coming back. What about a possibility of somebody actually seeing an improved set of numbers from Victor coming back? Well, Oladipo, because he wasn't on our list, he's certainly going to be better. And then Miles Turner, to me, actually potentially gets a little bit better. Although, I don't know how far we move him. But it's worth noting that for the season, Miles Turner was number 55 in 9-cat. Final 20 games, which basically were the games that Oladipo was playing in, uh, a little bit less than that for Victor, he was top 40. And then the very end, the last 10 games where Victor was getting closer to ramping up, Miles Turner was actually inside the top 30. Now, a lot of it for him is shot blocking. He averaged over three blocks a game over his final 10 games this year. If you adjust that down to a more expected two and a half, it puts him right around top 40, which is where we have him on our board. But he has the possibility of going seven out of the eight games, maybe even all eight, which I don't know that all the guys around him can roast. Do we think Rudy Gobert is going to actually play in all in seven or eight of the games? I don't know. The guys in front of him, right in front of him, probably will. The guys behind him, maybe. So we're going to leave him where he's at right now. I think there's a possibility he becomes a slightly better value, but we're going to leave Miles Turner at 40. The other note here is, where the hell do we take Victor Oladipo? Because he was really bad during the regular season. Like, really, really bad during the regular season. But he was really good for one game. <laughs> right? It was really good for one game. Victor Oladipo's final game before the season shut down was far and away his best game of the year. And it wasn't close. There was this, this thought that in that moment, it was ready to take off. He was ready to take off. And we just needed another second. He played 29 minutes. 28 minutes, 46 seconds, which I believe was the second highest total he had played since returning. Scored 27 points with seven rebounds, four assists, a steal, a block, and five three-pointers. It was also the only game he had since coming back from his injury where he took more than 10 shots and hit more than half of them. He had one previous game where he had 50% on exactly 10 shots. He went 5 for 10. He had a game where he went 5 for 7. But anytime he had any volume to speak of, his field goal percent was in the 
35 range, except for that very last game against Boston. He woke up. He was even kind of showing signs a couple of games before that. The field goal percent hadn't fully come around, but he was starting to get to the free throw line a little bit more. The steals were up. He had a total of four steals through his first eight games coming back from injury. And then over his final five games coming back, he had seven and six of those over the last four. So these little things, he had two blocks in those four games after having one in his first nine. The little things were just starting to creep back in. And so now you have to do this Victor Oladipo comparative analysis thing where if you look at the previous year before he got hurt, he was number 53. The steals and blocks were not that high. The field goal percent and free throw percent were not very good. You could probably assume that Maybe he was playing a little bit dinged up anyway, and that might have led to the bigger injury. But then you go back to the previous year, 17-18, when he had 2.4 steals and 0.8 blocks. Field goal percent was actually pretty good. Free throw percent was fine, if unspectacular. Who is the real Victor Oladipo? Is he number 10, or is he number 53? Or is he number 153? Right? Like, is he going to be closer to where he was this year at 250? No, I don't think that's a possibility. But if he says he's healthy, I still think they're going to be pretty cautious with him. And so with that in mind, you don't really want to blow uh, a pick on that could go to somebody you can trust when there's a chance Oladipo's only playing, you know, 24 minutes a game, just enough to sort of blow up the fantasy value of a TJ Warren or a Malcolm Brogdon or a Justin Holiday, but not actually elevate his own. Where would I consider him? Probably down there when you start to get into a few of the question marks. Eric Bledsoe, a question mark, because we don't know how much he's going to play. Mike Conley, because we just don't really know how good he's going to be. Thomas Bryant, who's recovering. You could probably take Oladipo over guys like, oh, I don't know, Duncan Robinson, who's going to be, I think, decent here, but not exciting. You want to get a little bit of the excitement. So perhaps we'll just take him right around where we took Malcolm Brogdon. Who would I rather have between those two guys? Probably Oladipo, which I know is a weird thing to say, but, you know, we've seen the best of the best of the best for Brogdon, and if Victor's playing, it's not that great. And if he misses a game, then yeah, Malcolm could potentially step up, but we don't know how healthy he is. So we'll drop Oladipo back there in the 80-some-odd range, and we can sort of recluster our names accordingly. But this was relatively big fantasy news, if indeed he is coming back. Wouldn't it be funny if we got to the end of today and he was like, nah, never mind, I'm not coming. Sorry, Dan. I know you did a whole pod about it, but uh, sorry. So we're getting some additional news. Oladipo, his salary apparently is in dispute. I don't know if he's been medically cleared yet. This is all, it's all very confusing. It's very confusing. But we're just going to operate on the assumption that he can choose if he wants to come back. And if he does, it's going to upset the apple cart for uh, what could have been a lot of really interesting fantasy values in Indiana. We're going to talk a little bit of gambling tomorrow. That's what's coming up on uh, tomorrow's podcast. And, of course, 
Any other news that breaks? Maybe we'll hear more on the, the James Harden front. In the meantime, check out the lawnmower over at manscaped.com. Our buddy Brandon Marcus got himself one. You probably saw him tweeting about it. If not, he's at BD Marcus. He got himself a lawnmower 3.0 with coupon code HOOPBALL20 to get 20% off and free shipping on your order. They've also got other good stuff. That's not the only thing they've got. They've got uh, formulations, they call them. Foot deodorant, aloe vera spray, body wash. They've got lifestyle stuff. A shaving mat, breath mints, travel bags, t-shirts, boxers. They have a nail kit. They have extra blade modules. They've got a nose hair twimmer. Did I say twimmer? Yikes. Baby talk over here. So there's a lot of cool stuff over at Manscaped. Check it out. You know what to do. Please use the coupon code. I Listen, this is... This is colossal. I promise I'm not going to be jamming it down your throat quite this hard forever. But right now, at the very beginning, this is when we need to flex our hoop ball muscle and show these guys that we have the most loyal fan base and hosts. We've got hosts buying this stuff now. Let's show them what we got. Let's show them we are partners to be reckoned with. Manscaped.com, coupon code Hoopball20. Again, hit me up if you want to be part of our recruiting process. I am Dan Baspers. This is Fantasy NBA Today. A hoopball presentation again tomorrow. Getting into the betting stuff. Futures and then a mock draft right around the corner for the NBA's seeding games 16 days away. Have a great Tuesday, everybody. We will talk to you tomorrow. This has been a hoop ball presentation.